Welcome to the Premarital Conversations Podcast, where we discuss all things premarital, relationship, and mental wellness to help you build a meaningful relationship and prepare to live your best life with the one you love. I'm your host, Amaris Watson-Gale. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Premarital Conversations Podcast. It is so good to be here. As many of you may or may not know, this month, April, is Couples Appreciation Month which is a good time, you know, if you haven't already, to intentionally, to start to intentionally value, invest, and appreciate your relationship. And so to shed light on Couples Appreciation Month and to to give it honor, I was inspired to invite my friend and colleague, Mrs. Erica St. Bernard, to the show today. So not too long ago, Erica wrote a book entitled We Over Me, Principles for Marital Partnership which is an incredibly insightful read for anyone who is married, engaged, or thinking about marriage. And so I invited her today just to speak about the concept of we over me and to offer some insight for creating a healthy, sustainable relationship. Erica, welcome. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Amherst. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem at all. So can you start with just telling us a little bit about you, the work you do, and then introduce to us the concept of We Over Me? Sure. So I'm a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist in the state of Maryland. So I see clients there virtually. Um, In the same breath, I am a very adamant um, preparer for marriage, right? I want couples to be well. I want them to thrive in their love relationships, but I also want individuals to thrive. I think about the individual clients that I see, not all my clients are couples. And so really working with each couple and client that I see with the understanding of wellness being a priority. So really beginning there and then allowing that wellness to carry over and serve as a catalyst for healthy relationship with other people, whether it's romantic or even professional relationships. And so that's kind of who I am and the kind of work I do. I work with women and with men. Millennials are primarily my client base, but I have couples much older than me and a couple of clients younger than I am. And so that works out really well. When you ask about, you know, speaking to the concept of we over me. So I've been doing premarital counseling for about 10 years or so. And my undergrad was in education. And then I transitioned in that season. I was like, I got to do something more. The children are amazing, but their families were struggling. And so I asked God, what other thing was I supposed to be doing? I went to an open house for marriage and family therapy. And it was like the birds started singing and everything was really clear that this is where I was supposed to be. And so I'll tell the truth. Every August, I get the itch to decorate a classroom, to laminate some stuff because that's the teacher in me. But then as a clinician, I get to offer insight for like psychoeducation for parents couples and families to help us to be well in our love relationships and so forth. So in the process of, um, again, making the transition from family work in classroom to clinical work with couples and individuals, I really noticed a pattern that kept coming up in my work with couples where a mindset shift needed to happen. And it was the mindset shift from me and my and what I want to we and what we want, right? So this notion that each of us individually, I believe is purposed by God to do great and wonderful things solo without a partner. And then some of us have the opportunity to partner with someone. And I believe that God partners us 
in such a way that my strengths benefit my husband's and my husband's strengths benefit mine. And so in that relationship, it's no longer just about my purpose and what I believe I'm called to do or what I believe I want to do, but also how I might be able to support my husband in his journey. And so that for me began to serve as a premise for the We Over Me concept. And then from that, seeing couples who are Christian and who are not Christian, really again, helping them to understand that there's a mindset shift that takes place for a healthy marriage, to have a solid foundation, because naturally we are self human beings, right, Amherst? We are like, nope, this is what I want. This is how this works for me. If it's not what I want, it's it's not going to work. And so marriage requires that we be mindful that, yes, what I want is important to me. However, if I want to be in a healthy love relationship, there are opportunities for me to consider what is best, not just for me, but what is also best for my partner. Right, right. I totally agree. I totally agree. I did not know that you used to be a teacher. Yes, I taught preschool, kindergarten. I directed a preschool for a number of years. Yep, that's my earliest experience. Wow, wow, that's that's great, that's great. So when you talk about the mindset shift um, to accomplish the we over me, um, how can one shift their mindset to, to make decisions with the overall relationship in mind? Sure. I think it's first start early, right? As soon as you think you want to be partnered, as soon as you think, or if you're already partnered, but again, thinking about small ways in the book, I talk about um, for my husband and I, in our household, I am pescatarian, which means I typically don't eat meat. So I eat fish, but I don't eat chicken and pork and sausage and ribs and stuff like that. So in our household, what I realized is when I first got married, um, I ate meat for a little bit and then I stopped. I started just not liking the taste and smell of meat. And with that came um, an aversion to the smell of cooked meat. And so my husband is still a meat eater. And so we had to figure out how I would still make sure to support him by preparing meals as I had been doing, but in a way that would no longer be problematic for me. And so it took a while, but there were times where literally I'd be, you know, cleaning meat and preparing meat and I'd be turning my nose up because my stomach would start to make some, some sounds and feel away. And I see that as an initial we over me, right? That didn't benefit me, me preparing ribs or cooking a, a, a meat-based meal didn't benefit me directly, but it was valuable to my relationship because in those moments of love and care and sacrifice, if you will, I was demonstrating my love and affection for my husband by preparing this meal. And certainly that's a very simple one, but I do think oftentimes there are things that we might do that don't directly benefit us. And if we get caught up in the fact that there's no benefit to us, that can keep us from making this mind shift, right? That can keep us from making this mindset adjustment where we say, well, if it's if it doesn't serve me, then I don't want it. And I think marriage is certainly a space where there's a mutual um, investment where I do what works for you and you do what works for me and we do what works for each other together. And we find ways to do that such that nobody is feeling slighted, such that nobody is feeling you know, put upon, but that we're able to both communicate and say, hey, this is what needs to happen. So I communicate with my husband. And I say, hey, the cooking meat thing, it's actually gotten better. So initially, it was pretty interesting. But over time, it got better. But I remember in the beginning, I would say, hey, I'm going to need to open the window. I'm going to need to have the fan on. These are the things and steps I need to take so that I can continue to support meal prep at home. And he was accommodating. Even when it was chilly and the window needed to be open, he would accommodate that because it meant he could have a warm meal you know, prepared by his wife and that would be the benefit of it. And for me, I could have the pleasure still of knowing that the food I was preparing for my husband was enjoyable to him and that that was this again this investment this effort on my part to shift my mindset from it's got to always be about me and what's easy for me or what's amicable for me to make sure that I was supportive of my husband 
Yes, yes, I love that. I love that. And thank you for sharing what that shift, you know, could look like. I know it looks differently for for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I know many of us, you know, as humans, we're motivated by, you know, immediate reward mm-hmm. or expectation of some immediate or great benefit. Mm-hmm. Can you share what some of the benefits of adopting the we over me mindset could be? Um, and some of the benefits of, you know, taking the time out to invest in your partnership? Sure. I think the first thing is to acknowledge that nothing worth having that is long standing is going to be instant. Mm-hmm. Right. We think about, you know, the diet crazes where we lose 25 pounds in a week. Yeah, that's not sustainable. Right? Where we, you know, um, not coming for anybody who's doing crypto, but where you gain all of these cryptocurrencies and then it's gone. Like all of those things are quick, you know, quick paced, but they're not sustainable in that they're not enduring. And so when we think about the natural tendency, sure, for humans to be motivated by immediate gratification, immediate reward, I get that. And what I tell clients is the things that we get pretty quickly are harder to sustain. And so we build momentum by celebrating the journey from here to there. Right. Acknowledging that a part of what's going to benefit us in the long run is finding ways to engage in the present in a way that allows us to see the seeds we're sowing and to see them being watered and to see plants grow from the things we're doing over time. And that is the benefit. Right. So it is that consistent effort to um, be invested in the now knowing that what I'm investing now is going to benefit me later. And I think about that in terms of we over me, because it is this constant. In the book I mentioned, it's like waking up every day and choosing we over me. It's not just when I feel like it. It's not just when my partner seems to be choosing we over me. It's not just when we're having great conversations or when we've had fun date nights or when our love life is great and amazing and when we are enjoying each other's company. It's in the trenches, when it's hard, when I don't feel like it, when I've got a headache, when we get a diagnosis, when there is some other life altering event, but we've made a decision to make the shift together, right? And I think that's one of the greatest benefits of healthy relationships, healthy healthy partnerships is that we're both willing to make the intentional investment, which is why I wrote the book, We Over Me. I wanted it to be a resource that could be in the hands of people who look like me because a lot of the books that are written about love and relationships are written by white people. And while white people have some interesting things to say, they don't have the lens that we have. They don't have the melanated skin through which our life experiences are lived. And so that some of the things they say, while well-stated and well-intended, don't always align themselves with our lived experience. And so I wanted, even in the imagery throughout the book, for there to be brown couples, for there to be, you know, brown couples laughing, brown couples doing the work together. And really just, again, wanted it to be a resource that could help us to make the shift and to see that it's not just a love for them, them being the others, but it also is a love for us. We talk about the Black love documentary and all those beautiful things we see, but this opportunity to bring that home into our own relationships. And I think those are the benefits of adopting the mind instead of we over me and being intentional about investing in our marriages. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. And you mentioned like being in the trenches. I know in a piece of the book you wrote about the highlight reels that we often see, mm-hmm. you know, in the media and how yeah. people aren't always talking about, you know, the downs or the rough mm-hmm. times, the rough patches mm-hmm. of the relationship until, you know, we hear about a separation or a yeah. Yeah, and it can give the illusion that everything is always fine or it's not, right? And the reality is, no, any marriage, even those that have been around for, you know, a length of time, my husband and I will celebrate 17 years in July. Oh, nice. And thanks. And I think about couples that have mentored us in some capacity. 
while again, everybody's not going to share the details of their downside, you know, they will definitely acknowledge um, as a couple at our church who's been married for 65 years. And one of the things they acknowledge is that, you know, sometimes they drove separate cars to keep the peace, right? They were going to the same church, but they drove separate cars because he likes the radio on and she likes to ride in silence, right? And so we think about some of the smaller things that we might need to make adjustments for to accommodate where we are and what we need. And I think often, again, we hope to see all the beautiful relationship hashtags and they're beautiful but then we also have to do like the relationship hashtag real work because the real work is when nobody's looking the real work is when nobody's filming when nobody's recording but when we are basically in the house together or talking about bills together or raising children together and acknowledging that oh i've got some stuff in my past that rubs up against the stuff from your past and that makes things a bit tense how do we overcome that how do we work through that and so again being able to see not just the forest for the trees, but be able to see the trees amongst the forest and then being able to, so it's a both and picture. It's not just either we're in or we're out, but we're doing the work, we're committed, we're sticking it out together and we're seeking healthy relationship overall. Yes, yes. Okay, so you also wrote about um, the notion of interdependence in couples, Mm -hmm. depending on one another in a healthy way. So for those who may not know, can you speak about interdependence, codependency, and the differences between the two? Sure. So when you think about, I'm going to talk about independence first, right? Because so many times we hear our sister girls and friends singing I-N-D-E, you know, we sing independent, right? Because you want to be independent. I'm not mad about that at all. I was raised by a Black single mom who taught us to be independent, right? Manage your own money, have your own stuff, be able to do your own thing. Just in case is what my mom said, right? And the reality is that is a reality. You do need to be able to, you know, maintain a level of self-sufficiency to some extent, sure. At the same time, when we make this mindset shift and we decide we're going to be with someone in a partnered relationship, if we're if healthy, if healthy relationship is the foundation, then the expectation at some point is for there to be a level of interdependence. And what that means is I'm dependent on you and you're dependent on me in ways that are healthy. Right. So we're not talking about just a trust fall where I'm just going to fall and let you catch me, but where we are going to lean into each other's weight. Again, I mentioned earlier, leaning into your partner's strengths and being supportive where they're weak and vice versa. So it's this opportunity for there to be this shared and mutual expectation of um, how we show up for each other, that it's not enough just for me to be the strong one, but to allow my partner to see me as a partner in being strong at the same time, making space for my partner to also express and experience their weaknesses in a way that it's going to allow us to thrive and move forward together. And so interdependence is that it is that shared dynamic of being present with each other, showing up for each other. And how do we do that? It's by asking the questions. How are you needing me to show up for you? Recently, we experienced a loss in our family. And I remember saying to my husband, I've not had to you know, support you in this way. So I'm going to need your help. I need you to let me know what type of support you need. And that was a meaningful conversation because we've supported each other through a lot over 17 years, but this was a different transition. And so I needed to acknowledge to him that I didn't, I hadn't been here before. And so I didn't know how to do this, but together we figured it out. We're still figuring it out if I'm honest, but we're doing a really good job of it because we're willing to have that kind of conversation to say, hey, I know you're dependent on me and I'm also dependent on you, but this dependency is a healthy one in that we are not, I'm not suggesting that I can't do the things I need to do if you don't do the things you need to do. And I think that's where the difference comes, where codependency is. Some of us have a tendency to, to need to be needed 
And so if you don't need me, then I don't feel valuable and I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I'm truly a part of this relationship. And so it requires us to shift and really assess ourselves and say, if my partner could do all the things they needed to get done without me, would I still see my place as valuable? Would I still see my, my position as meaningful? And I hope the answer is yes. But if it's not, then it's an opportunity to assess how we're wanting things to shift moving forward, what adjustments we might need to make individually, but also what conversations we might need to have as a unit in order to strengthen the foundation. As I was reading the question before we started recording, I thought about a seesaw, right? And so interdependence is, in order for a seesaw to be fun, both parties have to be engaged, right? If one partner just drops their legs and you're going to hit the bottom and it's not going to be fun, your bum is going to hurt. But if the two of us are kind of, you know, tottering together, teeter-tottering together on that seesaw, there's going to be a more fun, more rhythmic motion. And I think that's what happens in love relationship. When I do my part and you do your part, and you do your part because you want to, but also because it benefits me. And I do my part because I want to and also because it benefits you, then there is this joyous opportunity for us to experience not just the ebbs and flows of life because they will come, but also the rhythm that we can find that is our own over time. Yes, I love it. And I love the seesaw illustration. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. This, has been, this has been really good and, and informative. Um, where can people find you? Yes, yeah, so I am on social media. Well, I have an, an account, I should say. I'm not as active as I'd like to be. I've got a lot of life stuff happening right now, but I do have a social media account at Your Life's Well on IG, also on Facebook, same name, Your Life's Well. That's the name of the practice. And so I'm also online, www.yourlife with an S, W-E-L-L.com. And so that's where I am, Erica St. Bernard, again, licensed clinical marriage and family therapist in the state of Maryland. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for the invitation and your friendship. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Premarital Conversations podcast. If you have a premarital relationship or mental wellness question or topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, you may email us at info at If you're in the Maryland or DC area and you're searching for a mental health provider, you may visit our website at www.pratkind.com.